freaking ooh, it's a portal day. Um, I don't know if you all heard any of that just now. I, I just saw the the live button go on, but I we are broadcasting live in New Orleans on one hundred five point three FN and the United Public Radio Network, as well as our various uh, Facebook, YouTube pages. And I'm sorry, my dog is literally sitting right here forcing me to pet her. So that's, uh, her name's Ella. She's a Swiss mountain dog. And so tonight, that's that's actually um, a topic that, that goes along with my show tonight, the theme. Um, pets, we, Joe and I were just talking about storms, um, you know, there in New Orleans. And many times I, you know, I've, I've been struck by lightning and such. And I, I have, I draw in a lot of electricity from storms, a lot of energy. Um, it makes my heart beat fast, things like that. So grounding is still very important with all the glitches we've had on the internet tonight. Um, but animals do that. So I, that's just a fun fact. I don't know if a lot of people know that one of the ways, if you're, um, you know, empathic, if you absorb energies from whether it be storms, people, work related situations, whatever it is, and you go home and you pet your, you know, cuddle with your dog, um, play with them, take them for walks, whatever it might be. And that is an excellent way to ground yourself and raise your vibration. Um, my animals, as most of you know, I like most people, or I like most animals better than most people for that matter. <laughs> Not anyone in general. I just, I just love the energy that animals, um, animals give off and we definitely don't deserve them. They, um, I know, speak of the devil. I think that, see, that was a sign right there. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> so, sorry. Here's my, my dog here. All right. So tonight I am going to welcome I'm excited. She's not here yet. I'm still waiting for her to come through. But I have Reverend Reverend Jennifer Elizabeth Moore um coming on and she is um a master um a master healer. She works with the EFT system. Um highly empathic obviously she's also doing um she collaborated with the modern medicine lady for uh the empathic women's system and she has a lot i started receiving her um her emails um her newsletters and she has videos that she sends and she is so much good information I was in this place of not knowing um, how to protect myself as an empath, how to um, stay away from, you know, without completely isolating myself, how to be able to 
be surrounded by people and go in public settings and things like that and not absorb all of those energies. And it has been such a struggle for me living in a city because of course there's always, there's, there's cars and, you know, accidents and road rage and, and all of the toxic um, energy from the, you know, the skyscrapers and the um, gosh, here we have trains and we have, buses and everything else that puts off that energy, the river. Um, and, and so it was very, very difficult for me for, for a long time to learn how to um, stay balanced and stay grounded and, and not uh, completely absorb all of those things. So, and that was really important um, because it it can consume you and it can manifest in a very bad way. I'm sure some of the times that I have relapsed into Lyme disease for that matter um, also played a big part as far as um, my ability, you know, how quickly I was able to heal, heal from things. So, oh my goodness. Oh, I'm, I am so sorry. I'm sure that is extremely loud on the internet. On the I got to put my dog up here shortly. Um, yes. So animals can feel um, all of those things as well. And I, I don't, she doesn't even usually bark. So it's funny that, that this happened, but. Okay. Are you done, Ella? Do you want to be on camera too? <laughs> All, right. All right. I think she's calming down. Well, I am trying, I'm going to try to uh, email my guest one more time. I know I had her. Uh, I have her information here. So. Um, it's just a weird, so I, I guess I should go into why the 22nd is such an odd day for all of these things to happen. First of all, so many things in my own life have happened on the 22nd of, of any month. Um, and that's because if you go into numerology, ma there's master numbers. So you have all of the numbers that can't be broken down, your 11, 22, and 33 are all master numbers. So, but the 22nd especially um, has always been um, kind of a crazy, a crazy day for me. So one of these days I'll do, I'll probably do an entire segment on that because um, that's something that um, based on my own experience um, has happened quite frequently. And uh, especially when you get into um, mediumship in the paranormal and and even portals and things like that. So Jennifer is here now. I see where she has logged on. So I will welcome her. I am so pleased to have her here. Reverend Jennifer Elizabeth Moore. Let me add her to the. There you go. Can you hear me? I can totally hear you. Can you hear me? 
<laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Yay! Oh, the glitches of the system, I tell you. Oh my goodness. And we're not even in a Mercury retrograde. I was just explaining, my, my producer, Joe Montaldo, before we ever even started the show or anything he he was getting kicked off i will i mean this is somewhat normal for me because the powers that be you know mm -hmm, <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it happens almost every time something will i'll go to start a show and my computer will crash something will happen i mean i mean i'll i'll literally have it all set up hit start and we're like tonight my dog who never barks is all just going crazy she just I'm always grateful when it's somebody else's dog who is barking on the podcast over oh my mine, gosh. I, I know. Say. Yeah. I, and, you know, as you're talking about this, you make me think about the fact that, um, you know, as magical sort of sensitive paranormal people, electronic devices and watches and other kinds of uh. stuff work weird like i could not wear yes. a watch for the longest mm -hmm. time because or i still don't wear a watch i carry a phone as my time device because within yeah. two days or three days of having any kind of watch basically it would start losing time because like my energy system would cause it to go wonky so i'm the same way and you know what now i've almost come if if it's you know if i've been having a bad day or i'm in traffic and something um it has to be a pretty pretty powerful uh you know it has to be a lot of emotional energy coming from me for for this to happen but i bought for the first time um a newer vehicle with all the you know electronic stuff which um, it's not an electric vehicle, but it does have, you know, a lot of electric components. Yeah. And I noticed when I first, when I first got it, uh, I was much less balanced than I am nowadays. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but my, I mean, things like my check engine light would come on randomly, my everything. And I would take it to the shop and it would be the next day or whatever, because they can't, you know, they can't get to it right away. So it had sat for a little while and they'd say, well, we can't find anything wrong with it. I'm like, I get so frustrated and there goes another glitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, even, so even, um, you know, and I've taught, I've talked about this before. I used to trip breakers in my house. If I got upset when I was little, like light bulbs, low light bulbs, um, probably, uh, I was extremely mad one time and a transformer blew outside my house. So whether I directly had to do with that or not, I do have a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, I've been struck by lightning, electrocuted, all of those things too. So. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I just, I just conducted. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, you remind me of something I heard a really long time ago about the idea of poltergeists and how frequently, uh, you know, a preteen or an adolescent is in the house yes. and how our energy can really set stuff off. And I've definitely had a number of conversations with people about, um, periods in their life where the house has felt particularly haunted and mm -hmm. while that's it's not certainly is not always that you've got a kid with a lot of inter intense energy it seems to be a very common thing 
when suddenly you've got a kid, especially if a kid is going through a lot of difficult stuff and, you know, that they just seem to have that intense ability to emote. And it follows that with those of us who are highly sensitive, empathic, psychic, intuitive people, that not only do we have really extreme emotional energy, but we also have some pretty extreme psychic energy as well. Yes. Yeah. And so I have three redheads, myself and my two kids, all under one roof. And we, <laughs> there are times there, you know, I, and I didn't even realize I wasn't consciously doing this um, over the last few years now that they're getting older and teenagers, you know, um, where we would all be at a different place um, around like full moons and stuff, because obviously there's, there's a lot more energy and, and it wasn't even on purpose, you know, I mean, it's probably for the best because you know, <laughs> we can we all be in the same place during those days. But like, like, you know, my daughter might go stay with my parents and then my son's my sister or something. So. <laughs> that sounds well, smart. That's but, but smart. like I said, I wasn't even doing it. I, I mean, in hindsight, I, I probably was, you know, my yeah. higher conscious, but, um, yeah, it, it worked out because we didn't, um, destroy the house or, you know, each other in the process. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, and redheads are really, I mean, they don't call them redheaded stepchilds for nothing, you know, right. redheads, redheads. <laughs> I, I, for many years, I actually worked as a tattooer and did it as a healing art like for 20 years of my earlier career. And one of the things that was kind of known in the industry was that redheads tended to, their skin was wonderful to work on, but they tended to be more sensitive they had a lower pain threshold than ordinary people and um they also were you know more likely to bleed a little bit more but i've definitely and i've seen this like redheads tend to be more sensitive than a lot of other people are also um it's it really doesn't make any sense we we don't have the same reaction to things like anesthesia or at, mm-hmm. at dentist. My kids were just at the dentist. I was telling their dentist this last week because from my horror, like I was traumatized at doctors and dentists when I was younger because of things exactly like this, where it's due to the M like the M one R the MTHFR gene mutation. Something. Yes. Yes. Um, the, the, we don't have the same, we, our bodies metabolize any type of painkiller or anesthesia much faster than a normal person. So even though we don't tolerate pain as well, we also don't, <laughs> anesthesia doesn't work or Novocaine right. or, or lidocaine right. or any of those things. Um, and it, I mean, I, you know, I had my wisdom teeth taken out and I remember kicking literally because they only gave me one shot in each gum and they, they had to, um, they had to cut them out. And so the dentist started when I could still feel it. And I literally kicked him in the shin Mm. from my chair, you know, Mm -hmm. just as a, not on, I mean, not intentionally. It was, it was a reaction. Um, and he couldn't believe He's like, there's no way she can feel this. And I absolutely, it was so, and, and there's, you know, I've even flatlined, um, during surgeries, 
because I had an adverse reaction to mm-hmm. anesthesia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, I think was... they should teach people these things. They should teach people these things. And yet, you know, I mean, all of us who are sort of the outliers with the strange gene mutations and who are the highly sensitive empathic people, the doctors, like, I don't know, I have a motto that I've been living by for a number of years, which is don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards. Mm -hmm. And it's like we live in a culture where the, quote, neurotypical, unquote, um, define the the define the baseline and define the bound of like what is and yet it's sort of like we're basing our experience and reality on a spectrum that is extremely limited and there are those of us and I actually believe like we are it's funny that you know this is the podcast is the missing piece because I think in some ways we are the missing pieces we are the sensates we are the new mutants we are the next level of evolution where we are more sensitive where we are picking up the stuff that's going on in the world around us and you know and yet you've got these muggles who just are like really she's reacting or she she just processed all that anesthesia what just happened and um you know i mean i grew up with I grew up with people in my family. My mother is somebody who, you know, if you gave her a quarter of the amount of medication that an ordinary person would take, she would have a really strong reaction to it. And it, you know, it just, Mm -hmm. it's something where you have, and I think that this is something that goes into when you're an empath, when you're a sensitive person, how incredibly important it is to acknowledge and validate our own truth when we live in a world that is constantly telling us that we are overreacting, that we're taking it too personally, that this could not possibly be happening to us. And yet it's like, no, this is really happening to me. That was... Well, and I think that, you know, after these last few days as I've been reading your material, your emails. Um, I, well, okay. First of all, before we get to that, (laughs) since, since my, I, I just, I'm sorry. I just talked to people like I've known them forever, but I do too. (laughs) That's one of the things about being a psychic and a telepath. You know, it's like you and I are just like, oh, hi, hi friend. I haven't seen you in a couple hundred years, but you know, right there. Yeah. But for my listeners and viewers, they're probably uh, like, "What are these?" Doing? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're used to talking about who the hell is she. <laughs> yes. So first of all, um, Jennifer, if you would, um, do you do you go by Jen or Jennifer? Um, so I most so Jennifer is my formal my formal business and author name. Everybody calls me Jen, except for my nephews and my brother and sister and my mother who call me Jenny. <laughs> and, and I can always tell if somebody doesn't know me if they try to call me Jenny because that is the very very special family name. But pretty much everybody calls me Jen, so please call me Jen. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Jen, give us a little. Um you know, kind of this, uh, a background, your background story. Um, I, and I completely forgot what I was going to say, but yes, tell, I, I don't want to do the whole, tell us about your Sure. I'll just tell. Okay. Yeah. So, so my name is Jennifer Moore. Also. And I go by the name Jen, except if you're my nephews, then you call me Jenny. And I am the author of the book Empathic Mastery with the subtitle that is, you know, a 
five-step system to go from emotional hot mess to thriving success. And I am the former hot mess who wrote this. I also have referred to myself as a former world-class awfulizer. I come from a long line of people who worry about absolutely everything and can come up with a lot of stuff. And I... um you know, I so I'm the author of Empathic Mastery, and I am a master trainer for EFT International. I'm actually one of 122 master trainers who are here on this planet teaching people how to use EFT impeccably. And if you're wondering what EFT stands for, is that what you were going to ask me? That that was my next one, but yeah, I was going to make sure that. Okay, I think that that glitch went away. Oh, good. Okay. I couldn't hear um, you there first. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. So what I was saying is that I am also a master trainer for EFT International. I'm one of the 122 master trainers in on this entire planet who teach people how to use EFT really precisely wow. and really impeccably. There's a lot of... So EFT is also known as tapping, and it stands for emotional freedom techniques. And in the more than three decades that I have been working as a healer, I have never, ever found a tool that is more effective, that is more elegant or gentler than EFT. And so I absolutely love this. And what I do is that I absolutely love to work with other highly sensitive, empathic people, intuitives, light workers, sort of very magically oriented, creative people to help them go from taking on all the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, the sensation, the pain of the world around them to really being able to recognize what's theirs and what's not theirs, release the stuff that is no longer serving them, and really start to use their gifts to make a difference in this world. And my mission is to support as many empaths as I possibly can, as long as I am breathing in this body and considering that I've written a book, hopefully long after I've, I'm gone, so that we can be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Because what I have found is that many of us who are highly sensitive and empathic, the thing is that in my experience, you know, there's, there's like, you got psychics, you got mediums, you've got intuitives, and you got empaths. And the thing is that psychics, mediums, and intuitives are open and picking up information in the same way that an empath is, except that they can tell the difference between what's theirs and what's other people's stuff. Like they know they're getting information, but they also know that that information is coming from some other source. And the thing about an empath that makes us very unique is that we pick up all the information that's going on in the world around us, but instead of picking it up through one of the clairs where it's like we have like clairvoyance or clairaudience or clairsentience or claircognizance, we pick things up through our own processing system and through our sensor, through our whole sensory thing. And we feel things as if it's if as if they're our own experience. And so what gets so confusing for empaths, unlike psychics and intuitives and mediums, is that we'll be getting the information, but we are filtering it through our perception and our experience as if it's our own stuff. 
And Mm -hmm. this can be so incredibly confusing. And so many, I cannot even count the number of highly sensitive empathic people that I've worked with over the many years that I've been doing this work who have heard like, it's like, I just, it's like, it's almost like a script that has been written. You're overreacting. You're taking it too personally. You're taking it too seriously. You're just being crazy. You've got an overactive imagination. Just let it go. Stop thinking about it. Stop worrying about it. And then one of my favorites is, you're not feeling that you're not going through that. Why are you worrying about that person's experience? Why are you so upset? Because that person is having such a hard time. And as empaths, we get upset when other people are having a hard time. Yes. So I was going to say, I have, you know, I'm, I'm one of those weird mutants. I have three spleens. So the emotion connected to the spleen is overthinking and worrying and, and they're all 100%. um, They're not like accessory spleens. They, they're functional. So, so with the three, you you can see why I over, I mean, it's, I just overthink everything. And the humors, you know, thinking about it, it's like when somebody's splenic, you know, back in the back in the sort of the medieval, like the four humors, it's like to be, you know, to be extra, you know, wow, I just, how did you find out that you had three spleens? Like that seems even um, like a random so, thing. Yeah, this and this was before they they did that much. There was a lot of research done on um, chimeras. Um but this was back in, gosh, the late 90s when I went to college. Um, I got mono, actually, from probably from a dentist's office. I had a, I had a root canal. And all of a mm. sudden, you know, like a few weeks later, I got mono. And I assumed it was from my mouth being open for like seven hours. So, <laughs> but um, they, I, I, all of a sudden I had this, uh, protrusion from my side like from my rib cage you know the normal a normal person's spleen swells to about a hundred times its normal size um when they have mono or or things like that mine was i mean it looked like a third boob like it was sticking out of my rib cage and so when they did the um you know sonograms and and ultrasounds things like that um they could you could see them they were all three of them were swollen um and then and then I had more test done stuff and um so that but I I didn't know until much much later that or or maybe I didn't believe it how how much emotions and and things like that are absolutely related to different organs Mm -hmm. um and and so and how how big of a part that plays in our because later on you know aside from like the mono and stuff I got Lyme disease I had like scarlet fever when I was little I had all you know, all these immune suppressant which I was talking about right before you came on which a lot of empaths um, because we don't know how to we just take everything in and uh, we don't have a way to get rid of it so. 
Well, and I was, um, I was actually interviewing um, somebody from my podcast, the Empathic Mastery Show the other day, and we were actually talking about gene mutations. And we were talking about um, empaths and the correlation between some of these gene mutations that make it so that we don't methylate the same way or process things the same way that ordinary people do, but that also make us more vulnerable to um, you know, autoimmune diseases to getting Lyme disease. I'm also a Lyme, a Lyme, a Lyme survivor, chronic Lyme person. And I come from in my family, um, you know, I would say I am probably the most overt empath in my entire family. But in my family, you know, there's this gene mutation called the MTHFR gene mutation, which is all about our body's ability to process um, especially to methylate things through our liver and to process toxins. And this other woman I was talking to is from Australia. Her name is Magic Barclay. And Magic was talking about, basically, she confirmed what I had been suspecting because she's done a lot of work with people around this. And she's like, oh, yeah, there is a direct connection between these gene mutations and empaths, like that many of us who are sort of special also have all of these gene mutations. And, you know, my husband is a very dear, very special, very magical person, but he's definitely not the same. And it's interesting because, you know, looking at his genes and looking at mine, I am a hothouse flower with a ton of bizarre gene mutations. And I'm super sensitive. My mutation that I learned or I discovered when I was um, in high school is I have no, I like have no knuckle on my pinky finger. <laughs> like I have oh, three wow. knuckles on my hand. Yeah. And I didn't know it until I was drawing a hand and my teacher looked at my hand and he said, why, Jennifer, like, why are there huh. three knuckles on that hand? And I said, because you only have three knuckles. And he's like, no, you don't. And he throws his fist in front of me and he's like, see? And I was like, no, it's see. And I showed him my hand and it was missing the extra knuckle. But, wow. um, you know, I just, I really, it's just so fascinating how much there's that direct connection between, um, you know, our physiology and our experience and our feelings about the world. I, so every time I've had, I've had about five. Um, I mean, there's been others that I didn't actually like flatline things like that, about five near-death experiences. But after each one, I, I don't know how to explain um, to anyone who hasn't, I guess, died in this lifetime. <laughs> um, the heart, your heart chakra is completely like, you know, everything is like reset when you come back to life. And so it was always those times that I, back when, you know, I would go to church, I would do all these things. I, I was volunteering for different like nursing homes. I was, I was doing stuff, but it was those times that it was so difficult for me um, because I would be sitting there in church and, you know, I, not only was I experiencing all of these emotions from, from everyone around me, but after each time I became more intuitive, I became, mm -hmm um more receptive all, all the clairs you know i i was each it's like each time i added on a new gift mm -hmm. that almost killed me mm -hmm. <laughs> that mm -hmm. makes sense totally so makes be, sense 
yeah so i would be sitting there and and you know like all these all these voices inner voices of everyone around me technically i guess i was hearing their their thoughts but this was only a few years ago uh before i learned how to really control it better um and I was like, the world, and my doctor said, Trish, you, you have to, you're going to have another heart attack if you don't do something, you know. And I was like, well, how, the world is breaking my heart. Mm-hmm. So how do you mm-hmm. fix that? Literally, I'm like, I can't go by, I can't see roadkill without completely reliving the entire accident. I can't go by a spider web that's caught a bug in it because I feel that bug's fear. I can't, I was like, I can't live like this. I I can't (laughs) teach me how. Um, It's it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. It is so overwhelming. And, you know, there are a couple things you're talking about that just come to my mind. One is that I think that where your ordinary average um, intuitive or psychic tends to experience something through one or two dominant clairs, whereas empaths will often experience the information coming through whichever dominant sensory awareness is around us. And so we are more inclined to have all the clairs because we're around people who are and even animals and other things but who are picking things up on a visual field who are picking things up on an auditory field who are picking things up more on a sensory kinesthetic field and what i've found is that empaths tend to have all the things now we may have certain things that show up for us more readily and more accessibly, like some of us are more visual, some of us are more auditory. But as empaths, we will often get all the clairs going because of that ability to absorb and receive. It kind of reminds me of some of those science fiction movies or series where um, that idea of every time, like the, usually it's like the villain who kind of consumes somebody, but every time the villain or somebody comes in contact with somebody and they kind of vanquish somebody, they receive the gift or the ability of that person. And then suddenly they have those additional abilities. And I think that empaths tend to once we're in the presence of somebody with some of those abilities, we will absorb those abilities. But a lot of times, especially after having near-death experiences or having experiences where our energy system has really been reconfigured, it's not like we're just clairvoyant when we're around them. It's like we're around them and then we remain clairvoyant. And so I, I, I think, think that that's part of it. too. Yeah. Do you do you notice that when you're around certain people, you tend to pass off some of your gifts to them as well? Um, I would say I'm not necessarily, I've never really thought about it that way, but I absolutely transmit by osmosis a lot of information to my students. And energetically, I do a lot of sort of like setting an intention and explaining something to people, but know that what I'm also doing is kind of calibrating their system energetically as I'm explaining something. So I've Mm -hmm. never... 
articulated that the way you just said it, but I'm like, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. and the only reason I started noticing this was you know, people would come into my life. And first of all, when somebody new comes in, I should also mention with my chimerism, I have two different DNAs, which now they think might actually be two people, you know, in mm. one body. Sometimes. So, mm -hmm. so I don't know how they might each have their own gifts, you know, and they just constantly, but, <laughs> but when I have, when somebody new comes into my life, first of all, they have to get adjusted to my life. You know, mm -hmm. we live in a magical world as empaths, like everything has. And, and I mean, everybody does. It's just not everybody sees it in the way yeah. Yeah. Um, that we do. And and not everybody interacts with the universe the way we do, I guess. Um, right. Right. And so, it ta first of all, it takes new people in my life a while to get used to that. And understandably so, you know, the human mind is, is fragile. And so we've been so programmed that... Um, it it's profound and it's something I would have said the same thing, you know, 10, 15. Well, no, I've, I've always <laughs> seen the unseen and stuff, but, but I mean, I can see the perspective, mm -hmm, but then mm -hmm. once those people were no longer in my life, you know, say not friends necessarily, but like um, relationships, boyfriends, things like that. Later on, they would say, it, it's weird. Like, I can't do that anymore. I can't, um, you know, communicate with spirits anymore. Or I can't, which I'm sure they could. Mm -hmm. But I haven't decided if it, it's kind of like the mind over matter thing. Became codependent on thinking that I was the one causing that gift because it happened when, when they were in my energy. Or... Because technically anybody can do any of those things. It just comes easier to, mm -hmm. um, you know, empaths, I guess, in, I mean, in my opinion. So, or do you think that it is an actual transference of our gifts? Um, as you said, in the opposite way, you know, every, I know when I touch people, when I, when I shake someone's hand, I often see things that, you know, and uh, not not even on purpose, but if mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. there's an extreme feeling of shame or anger or pain or anything, I'll see that automatically. I've actually, it's funny. I've been watching this really really stupid series on Hulu called I think it's just called it's maybe it's it's called Maggie or Maggie the Psychic, but it's about this girl who's got psychic abilities, and every time she touches somebody, she gets these visions. But usually, it's in relation to her own relationship with them, and everything. And as oh, you were talking about that, I was like, oh yeah, it's like it, it's like you touch this person and you see things, and sometimes mm -hmm. you actually see your thing. I, my thought is that, you know, those of us who are more awake, um, for lack of a better term, or more sensory aware, tend to awaken that or activate that within other people. And so I think we do that. I also think that with some of these people where they're like, no, I don't have that ability. I would imagine that it's more about, it's kind of almost like, 
like I'm sort of imagining it's not that they don't have the ability, but that it's not as much of a priority anymore now that you're not reminding them of it. And so it's kind of like you were the person who always bought the quinoa. And now that they're doing their own grocery shopping, they don't think to buy the quinoa. Like it's, wow, it's that, true. you know, and so I think because it does involve a certain amount of care and feeding to maintain a good clean channel and when information you know some of us cannot help information coming through but there are a lot of people who are better at compartmentalizing or pushing it down where they can kind of go back to turning the volume down and not really paying attention if there isn't somebody around where it's like the volume has been turned up and they are noticing it Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, especially I'm also, you know, I became a personal after, after Lyme disease, I became a personal trainer and things like that. So, so yes, I'm the one that's like, because I have to be, otherwise I'll go, go back in remission of that, you know, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. healthy eating and the, um, plus I, I 100% back then I didn't know that. I just thought I became a trainer, you know, mostly by default to heal myself, but I didn't realize back then how much energy, um, negative and positive, and I've talked about this on my show before too, um, objects carry, um, mm-hmm. w- wood, mm-hmm. um, food, basically mm-hmm. your clothes, you know, that's what I was saying. If, if you're wearing something, even unintentionally, that was created by, a child in a sweatshop in another country, then that's going to have negative energy, you know? Absolutely. And so that, that's when I, you know, I was talking about like, like grandma's cookies, you know, everybody, you can give that recipe out to whoever you want and they will never be the same because her energy and love was, was like no one else, you know? And so I think, um, I mean, it took me a long time to to understand that was was it the same with you you know when people meet you and say wow I just I wish I had that ability I wish I could do I don't think it's kind of like the internet you know people don't see what goes into all of this beforehand well and I think that so much of it is you know there's the natural innate ability like one thing I do believe is that in the same way that I am not made to be an NBA player, and I will absolutely never in this lifetime be skilled as a basketball player. (laughs) And even if I practice every single day for the rest of my life as somebody who is literally five foot and three quarters of an inch, there is no way, and especially being like a postmenopausal woman of a certain age, there is no way I will ever, 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 ever be an NBA player. I do believe that there are those of us who are more predisposed towards the sensitivity and toward these abilities than other people are. But I also believe that, and you've been talking about it, that there's also an amount of learning how to care for our channel so that the information that is coming through is coming through good and clean and we are not getting gummed up with our emotional distress because I've also seen people where they're 
utterly convinced that what they are picking up on is psychic information when really what it is is a projection of their fear. And mm -hmm. years ago, I had a situation with a, an, a, somebody I knew whose kid had basically gone on walkabout and had blown their curfew to go stay with friends and get stoned all night. And oh. this person was absolutely convinced that their kid, they had visions of the child dead in a ditch. Like they were convinced that the child was dead. Well, we are now talking probably 13 or 14 years later, and he's still alive. He's a young adult now, still likes getting stoned. But the thing was, yeah. this person was convinced they were having a premonition when the truth is they were just really, really anxious for a very good reason. But they were picking up, like they were projecting their anxiety and their fear. And they were doing such a good job of awfulizing that they were convinced that this was truth when it really was just emotion. And I think that's, um, I did that a lot as, as a little girl with nightmares. Yeah. You know, because I did, I didn't know, I, I had dreams of past lives that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. you know, two-year-old talking about dying in a sword fight like, mm -hmm. or or numerous fires and things like that so I, I didn't oh, know how to process fires. that oh yes yeah. I was terrified of fire when I was a yes. child yeah and the entire uh the entire educational system where of, of fire safety was not good for this little like past life burned at the stake empath me either I grew up yeah. in in, in southern New Mexico, where we learned, this was, you know, early 80s, mm -hmm. we learned about Smokey the Bear. Yes. That's all, like, we, I mean, it was all around me. Everybody was talking Everywhere. about fires. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, aside from all of that, then there was the spirits that weren't always pretty. You know, I, mm -hmm. I didn't always, I, there were literally monsters under my bed, so I had to process mm. that. Mm. that and um i it, it's an odd um i really wish which i've talked to other people about from uh, from every country across the globe collaborating into some type of educational system for children i understand there's private schools and there's but these things people don't understand how much it affects our lives, how much it can drive somebody to do something that is not an emotion of their own mm -hmm. to harm another individual. Mm -hmm. It can drive people to harming animals, to, to causing car accidents, to doing all of the, mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to make people fear that, but I'm saying that's, that's how important this is. And, and I think it gets misconstrued all the time as people being possessed or people when a lot of it is literally just we're all bouncing, you know, each other's traumas off each other. <laughs> we are all bouncing 
those traumas off each other. And, you know, as a species, we have gone through, like, I really believe there was this thing that happened somewhere in the vicinity of about 5,000 years ago when patriarchy started to take over, productivity and empire started to, like, be the priority. And one of the things that happened was we went from experiencing ourselves as interconnected cells in the body of this planet, knowing that we were of this earth, that we were born of the earth, we would die of the earth in the same way that a cell in our body is, you know, comes up and die and goes back down and dies, that we knew we were part of something greater. We did not experience ourselves as individuals. And then right. the great lie happened, the great separation happened happened. And we started to experience ourselves as other than and separate. And one of the things that I think started to happen was trauma started to get compartmentalized and started to get stuffed down. We've been kicking these cans of patriarchal and, and, and like racial trauma down the road for 5,000 years now. And the thing is oh that goodness, yeah. we, we have found there is now evidence that trauma is inherited that it is passed oh. down in our dna and so Absolutely. the thing is we cannot escape this and what i believe is that and i imagine you do too is that we've hit critical mass and we can no longer avoid this and so as a result, even people who are trying to compartmentalize it are no longer able to effectively compartmentalize it. And more and more people are awakening to this sensitivity and to the interconnectedness of all of us in the way that and the fact that trauma is bouncing off, um, mm -hmm. you know, and especially these last two and a half years, people are waking up. Yes. Yeah. I think, um, so I recently, within the last few months, um, I've, I've done it um, semi-professionally for, for others for a very long time in uh, researching genealogy, um, mm. intuitively and, you know, professionally. And I had never done it for my own family. And I'm like, that's weird. It's probably, a, I'm sure I was afraid of what I would find. And so... <laughs> One of the first things, because it's the more recent few hundred years, was I found that my family quite literally fought each other in mm. the Civil War, mm. killing each other on that. Like, you know, which is crazy to me. I'm like, we were fighting. No wonder our family reunions. <laughs> You know, it's a thing. And no wonder it's kind of like the Cain and Abel thing. Like my, you know, my sister and I. Um, she hated me. I, I mean, mm. until she was like moved out of the house, but, but growing up, you know, uh, and I'm like, why is that? And just like you said, it, it's generational, it's inherited. It's literally, it goes back to, I tell, I tell kids from trying to explain this, like, like the, um, difference between cats and dogs, you know, being, enemies since the beginning of time i mean which now they're obviously not as much but i lost you there for could you i know we glitched <laughs> now i can hear you again yeah <laughs> you were um, saying cats and dogs since the beginning of time 
yes, they, you know, they were always enemies or perceived as enemies. And so I have, um, you know, I have, I'm part native, um, obviously, um, I have the Celtic, Irish Mm -hmm. and Scottish background as well. Um, a lot of our bloodlines, um, go back to Egypt, obviously, but then also there were both African slaves and Irish slaves around the civil war area. So I have all of these, um, different cultures which Mm -hmm. have fought each other actually Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. some of them still to this day and so I thought it was interesting when I when I got Lyme disease and things like that and with the two different um DNAs and stuff and I tell people I the way I understood it from the outside you know we have to heal the wars before we can heal the outer ones but my body Don't if they can't sort like learn to get along in this planet of Trish, then it will they will literally kill each other, and that mm-hmm. doesn't serve any mm-hmm. of them. You know, then I get mm-hmm. Lyme disease, then I get these immune suppressant diseases, then my blood and everything else goes to hell. So, yeah, all of that and all of my bloodlines have to learn to get along so I can live. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, so, yes. Well, and I love how you're talking about just the awareness of like how when we start merging or thinking about our bloodlines, it's like I know I have I'm like 80. I'm something ridiculous. Like I call myself Whitey McWhiterson because I am like 81 percent Celt. Like I have and then the rest of like I've got a lot of Northern European ancestry. I do have Mm -hmm. a tiny bit of Native American ancestry, but most of me is just like European. But within that, I mean, I have a lot of Irish ancestry. I have a lot of Scottish ancestry. I have a lot of English ancestry. And it doesn't take all you have to do is like watch the the movie Belfast to see that even in 19, you know, like for the, you know, 20 years ago, the Brits and the Irish were fighting with each other. Like, and you're right. There's like these conflicts within our DNA that are, are, are impacting us that we are trying to come to terms with that we're trying to reconcile. And I think your point of how this impacts our health is just so, Oh God, it's, that's just exquisite. And like, I think you're just so onto something there. Well, and that's, you know, I start thinking about it since I absorbed my twin, literally. And, and as I said, there's, there's been stories of this since the beginning of time from the Bible, from so many different fairy tales, myths, legends, the, the Greek and, and the Greek gods and goddesses, um, Egyptian times where two siblings um, tried to kill each other. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting to me. I'm like, well, okay. So first of all, I, I've never quite figured out, you know, does the one that the stronger embryo overpowered, I'm sure that was traumatic, you know, at birth, <laughs> like, yeah. however that developed, I'm sure there's some sort of, uh, maybe anger or resentment there. Um, but it's, it's kind of like, uh, it reminds me, and I when I when I had this epiphany one t- just just recently in the last few months actually. It reminds. Uh oh. Oh yeah. Wait, oh, okay, hey. we're back. 
<laughs> the fish that they have that parasite thing fish maybe it's another it's a smaller thing but it's a parasite living on their tongue it literally becomes their tongue mm. for the bigger fish mm -hmm. now if that smaller fish over overeats or or doesn't eat or whatever it will kill the bigger fish but at the same time if the bigger it's now a part of that bigger one so if the bigger fish tries to get rid of the parasite both of them will also die right, right. so that's you know when we go back to our ancestors talking about everything being one and this earth and how how it because that's how it works how long are we going to continue fighting not only ourselves but each other until we realize that it's it, it all affects us it all affects us yeah i mean the absurdity and so i just i want the absurdity of the idea that i can cause harm to another human being and that somehow i'm not going to like that the front and the back are not connected i've right. never understood the ability to compartmentalize and i actually think some of it is like people who truly believe that like this realm of earth is a dress rehearsal for the heavenly kingdom and they're completely separate and i'm like all you have to do is really listen to the words um, on earth as it is in heaven to understand that there is a direct link between heaven and earth. But somehow some people did not get the memo and I think are just thinking that it's all that there, we aren't interconnected and that if I do something lousy to somebody else, it's not going to come back to bite me in the butt. Right. I want to say it's so fascinating, the conversation we're having. So I was <laughs> born with two placentas. My wow. mother gave my mother gave birth to me and my umbilical cord, basically, I had two placentas and essentially an umbilical cord that kind of wrapped around like a double umbilical cord that became one. And I was born with two placentas. As a result, my mother nearly bled out giving birth to me. And so she nearly died giving birth to me. So I basically was born, I believe, sort of, I came in through the outdoor. And so even though I have personally not had a, um, a, a like a textbook near-death experience, I was born in the midst of a near-death experience. But I also, I don't have the necessarily, we never did a DNA to confirm this, but my sense has always been once I understood I was born with two placentas, then I'm also an assimilated twin. So I find it yeah. so interesting that you and I are having this conversation. I was like, well, hello, you know, and my, what I got was that I was uh, born three weeks early. Yeah. Can you hear me? Three weeks, three weeks early. Um, and so did that change your Zodiac sign? Yes, I was. Well, um, I was actually, so no, I would have probably still have been a Capricorn. I was born right on the cusp of Aquarius and Capricorn. So I was a Capricorn. So it didn't change my Zodiac sign. But what it did that was interesting was that, so I have Mars in the 12th house in Leo. And what um, a, an astrologer at one point looked at was that apparently looking at what was going to be happening at the ephemeris, had I been born a few days later, Mars would have gone retrograde. And the theory that some astrologers who I've talked with had, but this one astrologer and I had this conversation was that my mother, because of the double placenta, 
probably would not have been able to get through the childbirth if I had been any bigger than I was. So I was born three weeks early. And my mom, even though she nearly died because she nearly hemorrhaged to death, she survived my, my birth. And so the theory is that if I had been born any later because of the Mars retrograde, it would have been very problematic. And right. I actually believe that my, I believe that I probably would have been a fraternal twin with a brother because I was looking for this person for the first 32 years of my life. I felt like there was a missing, the missing piece. I was like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Yes. And we, um, I just got chills as I said that. I mean, the loneliness and the feeling of like, yes. I cannot find you. I know you. And I have another friend who's also a healer who had a twin sister who did not get born. But with my my brother, what I believe happened was that we understood the peril for my mom. And they also decided that this particular incarnation was not what they wanted. And so I don't believe that I assumed that, that I assimilated them from a place of malevolence. I believe what happened was they checked out like they're somewhere mm. in the early part of the first trimester. They went, I'm out of here. Thanks for the fish. And I was left with this. I basically was left to sort of assimilate all of this. And I was basically left there because it allowed my mother to survive my birth and then the subsequent births of my wow. my siblings. So I actually do not believe that I did anything, that there was any kind of Cain and Abel action going on as much as it was. And I know other people, like this other friend of mine, they did not lose their sibling because, um, because of malevolence. They lost their sibling because she could not bear to be born into the world right now and opted to not come planet side well so and i don't know i'm i'm assuming this came from my father's trauma he had eight brothers and sisters and they lived on a farm and his mom you know would have a child and get right back to working without skipping a beat because that's how amazing women were you know we think we have it hard but So my sister, I have an older sister. And so when my mom found out she was pregnant with me, um, my dad panicked, of course, and, and said, I don't, I don't want any more kids. I don't want, you know, so my sister was planned. I was not, of course. And um, I think it was then because he had such an an emotional reaction to not wanting another child. Um, I think that been where I'm back. Oh, good. I'm <laughs> glad you're back. I heard you say that Ben or that would have been. Oh, I, I think that would have caused, uh, I don't know, I, you know, had, had my, my, other half, or maybe it would have caused my mom health problems. I'm, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what happened, it's it's interesting you say that your twin checked out because I did the same thing I, up until four years ago. So I was 37, I guess, four years ago. I was 37 years old. 
searched all my life, you know, thought I had a part of myself missing quite literally. Yep. And um, after that last, well, not the last one, but, but that heart attack that year I had, after that heart attack, it's like she wanted to show me that it was okay. That like, gosh, I'm getting emotional. So I was at this bridge and I was so sad. I was sitting there and I was, I was, uh, oh, I was sitting by a, by a tree stump, you know, and, um, this bridge, all of a sudden, you know, my entire scenery changed the whole psychic thing that happens. And in spirit form, my other half, my twin came to me and grabbed my hand, like, like I'm coming back, you know? And so, um, it was, it was something that people had told me, other psychics, other, you know, my, my, my energy back then, which I, I didn't know was even in the realm of possibilities in this world, was reaching people on the other side of the world, quite literally. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I had just, I used to be extremely religious back then. And so I had just gotten into reading tarot cards, you know, I was looking, searching for answers everywhere in every other religion. Um, and there was a reader, a tarot reader, just, just general um, collective, you know, that I, it was around Christmas and I was wearing something very specific. I'm weird anyways. I had like the craziest skirt on. Um, I had some leggings that had like sleigh all day on them. I had bells and a, you know, weird colored shirt, <laughs> all these things. I was sitting on a rock staring at this lake. She described that um, to a T mm. and she was in, um, she was somewhere in Europe at the time. Mm -hmm. And of course me for my, my not very awakened mind back then, still probably not, but I was like, no, there, that, that's not even possible. She's talking to millions of people. Surely there's how many others that are sitting on a rock on this day, wearing these crazy leggings and has the side of their head shaved and has red hair. And I, you know, I'm trying to logically, I guess, rationalize all these things. And she said, your other, you've been looking for your twin that's been within you and with you all along. And so it was at that moment, I, you know, it made sense. And, um, which is interesting because my uterus is heart shaped and completely mm. split down the middle. Wow. So it's like that. Wow. So she really <laughs> I carried my daughter you. on one side and my my son on the other side. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, in my case, I believe that my twin rein or my twin incarnated a couple of years later and I believe that I actually found him in this lifetime wow. when I was in my 30s. And it was like I set eyes on him. And because this twin was also somebody that wasn't just a sibling, they had been a beloved, they had been, and we had a, you know, multiple life history of like being ripped away from each other. Mm -hmm. And so I took one look at this man, I set eyes on him with his baby in his arm. And it was it was truly love at first sight. It was just spe spectacular. 
And it was incredibly complicated um, because they were married, had a toddler, had, you know, it was just a situation. And, you know, we, we, but we can, we eventually, they were, you know, hippy dippy open relationship pagan. And so eventually we ended up connecting and I was able to work through the connection and meet that person. And eventually, like, I got to the place where, uh, like, like things sort of just, it was not going to work out in this lifetime. There were just too many complicated factors, but I was able to release the karmic bond. And I was able to be like, I no longer need to search for you. I no longer need to look for you. I have found you. I no longer know your name. I no longer know your smell. I no longer know you. Go with God. Do your thing. I love you. I forgive you. I release you. But let's just stop looking for each other because we've never been able to stay together. It has always gone horribly awry. Let's just call it a game. Like, let's, let's, you know, let's cash in our chips now and go home. And it was after that experience that I actually was able to find the man that I've been married to. We'll be celebrating our 21st wedding anniversary in September because wow. I was no longer looking for that karmic connection anymore. And I didn't have that feeling of desperation. So, you know, so that, you know, because I did, I do not like, it was not like their soul was part of me. They really were gone. That Yeah. And that, and that's absolutely how, you know, I went through bouts of depression and oh, yeah. so many times in my life and and trying to fill voids you know yeah. with with different vices and and all these things that, that i didn't understand um a lot of those times and, and com I, repeating the same cycles over and over and over and over and over as i had realized and recognized i had been doing for god knows centuries you know mm -hmm. and so i'm like no, just this if this is my last chance on this planet, on this earth, in, in, in a shell of a human being, it's not going to end that way this time. You know, you have to, I, I think we come to finally after how many centuries or, or however long, you know, we, we get to a point where we're tired and, and you, you just, and, and it's not, when people say, I think I, and I read that, well, and you mentioned it earlier, when people say, let it go, or you let things, it, it's not that we let it go. It's an acceptance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, I, I tell people all this all the time, because I, I used to box and, and be in roller derby and stuff. And I was explaining to my son, like when he was in football, the same type of, I said, it's, a, it's about that that push and pull in life and, and with anything you're searching for, with anything you're, you're trying to heal. It's not about people say, let yourself fall and learn how to get up and all that. No, we learn how to, we learn how to take a hit. We learn how to respond to that. We, you know, I, I know that now I bounce back much easier from things than, than I would have probably few lifetimes ago yeah, obviously mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some of those things would have killed me as a child yeah. for that matter absolutely um, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious, what was your roller derby, derby name? Oh, Lost Cause, because I'm from, you know, the Wizard of Oz here in Kansas. We, uh, <laughs> so it was like K-O-Z, play on words. Oh, that's awesome. I, because was... I lived in New York at the time. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I was never a roller girl, but I know a lot of people in roller and I always had my fantasy roller derby name. I would have been Jen Oside, except that I would have been like instead of S I, you know, or C I D E, I would have been um like S I D D H, like as in the she, as in which is the one of the that may be a bastardization of the spelling, but basically it's like a, one of the Celtic names for the Fae, we folk. But also would have been, I just thought that would, would have been a really fun roller girl name <laughs> to be genocide. But anyway, I, uh, it's always, I'm, it's always a roller and roller derby is just such a fascinating adventure in life. Oh man. So yeah, I mean, doing that. I absolutely loved it. I'm considering, yeah. you know, at 41 years old now going, going out again, um, here here in like a month or two maybe i got i got injured <laughs> oh yeah injured. oh yeah i i have i um i i have seen some of the bruises um yeah i've, I've definitely seen some of the bruises and it is impressive what you can do to yourself speed skates so yeah. i mean even if you don't have any contact with anyone you could still hurt yourself really yeah. bad yeah. <laughs> really badly um but 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 I think that's that's life. You know, yeah. we don't have to have other people to blame all of our all everything we do to ourselves. It's like right. witches getting a bad rap. You know, half the time we curse ourselves. Absolutely. We're not out there cursing ever anybody else. Mm -mm. We curse ourselves by the way we talk to ourselves, by the way we treat ourselves. Oh, and as women especially i mean the oh. amount of self-negation and the amount of negativity and mm. all of the ways that we are and you know yesterday i was teaching i taught a level one eft training all this weekend um and i had a bunch of different you know as i was working with my students one of the things i was just so struck by is how especially when our body is going through a challenge and going through illness or sickness or disease, how much we hate on ourselves, like how little mercy we have for ourselves, how much we tell our bodies that they're being wrong, how often we tell ourselves that, you know, like, like that we're broken. Mm. And I believe that our bodies are always, always, always trying to look out for us, that our bodies are always trying to keep us safe. I personally, for me, Lyme disease was absolutely a, a great awakener and was absolutely a boundary setter for me. And what I have found is that like, it never failed that if I started to vacillate on my purpose and especially on my boundaries and my limitations and like the, I'm not going there never failed. I would find it I'd like a tick would be embedded on me again. And oh, I mean, I can't yeah. even count the number of times that I've been on doxy because I mean, I live in Maine. We are one of the epicenters for Lyme disease. Yes. You know, I was actually going to say earlier, and then I we talked about something else, but in my family, nuclear family of nine, 
seven of us have had either chronic or acute Lyme disease. And my thing is, I just imagine probably the other two just never got diagnosed with it. <laughs> but we also have gene mutations that make us substantially more susceptible to Lyme disease. Well, yes. Um, and, and I didn't, as humans, we have the capability to heal ourselves from anything. 100% from anything there is. We we were born with that. It is it is within us. We just don't have that faith. So I guess when, you know, as a single mom, when I had Lyme disease, I still worked full time. I still, um, I had both my kids pretty much alone, you know, in, in hospitals and things like that. And so I, I went blind. I, for a while, I lost my hearing for a while. I uh, lost my ability to speak for a while. So I lost all of my senses mm. um, there for a while. And so it, it became, I became very depressed. You know, most people uh, don't realize that Lyme disease mimics so many other diseases. So it has one of the highest suicide rates as well, because mm -hmm. it, not all, you're cognitively losing your mind. Like yes. the white, I had, they said I had less than 1% chance to live with the white lesions on my brain and it had wow. spread to my, so I had cardiac Lyme and I had neuro Lyme with the meningitis. Mm. And mm. so there, the doctor said, we, there's nothing we can do, Trish. There's no, you either make it or you don't. And I, of course, am hard headed. I was like, it was that trigger word, you know, I'm like, oh, oh no, I am not dying today mm -mm. <laughs> again. Mm -mm. Like I am not. And so I changed everything. But one of the most pivotal moments of my life to this day, not only with Lyme, but, but in changing my perspective in everything else, was when I heard about uh, a woman who was diagnosed with Lyme, and, and they gave her a few weeks to live. And so she went to California. She, uh, you know, was going to live out her life there. And she was attacked by a swarm of killer bees. And she experienced, like, 24 hours of the worst pain she'd ever had in her life. And then after that, she was 100% cured from everything. So all this time, you know, when I, that negative self-talk, all that time when I was like, now I've gone blind, now I've gone deaf. Now I, I was being stung by wasp in the middle of winter. I was, you know, I've been bitten by a brown recluse and a black widow. And all this time, I, I used to get stung by bees all the time growing up. I have red hair. And so here I was playing the whole woe is me, blah, blah. And I said, they weren't, they weren't trying to kill me. Mm -mm. They were trying to heal me. Mm -hmm. Because now it's known that bee venom is one mm -hmm. is, is one of the cure, not a cure, but um, helps with Lyme. So the poison is the cure. So now... You, speaking of hearing and the <laughs> the audio goes out I know I, and my seeing when when I regain my vision I could almost see in in infrared and ultraviolet wow. my and you know they say when you lose things like even when you when you have near-death experience you start using other parts of your brain you start mm -hmm. so I think those senses were heightened because mm -hmm. I lost them Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, it changed 
then I'm like, oh my God, now all of these animals sacrificed themselves to save me. So it completely went from me being the victim to seeing the other side and it changed my entire life. Mm. Mm. I'm just sitting with the magnitude of that. And just, yeah. And that's, you know, when they did my blood test to, to prove, because here's another thing. I don't know if you're this way, but as an empath, I still, I've, I've worked, I'm working on it, trust in my in, intuition, trust in my in, everything, but I'm still one of those have to see it to believe it type people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then they went back and did blood tests said, oh, well, you had Rocky Mountain spotted fever when you were little. You had, um, you know all these probably Lyme disease from the time you were, but just didn't know it. Right. So then I thought like literally all these, all these incidences I thought back to yeah, that something bit me or that something happened to me. And I'm like that, they weren't trying to kill me, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? And, and it's profound. Yeah. Um, I, survived being in, not being in a car accident last week because a brown recluse that I allowed to live on my porch for the last few months ran inside last moment and delayed me and I accidentally <gasps> stepped on her oh I, but when I got on the highway um it was about five to ten minutes prior there was a horrible car accident and so I was telling you know I was telling my listeners I said everything happens for a reason mm -hmm. and so i no longer get mad at spilled milk over spilled milk right right i'm not right. getting mad when when a spider's in my, my house because she it, she wasn't trying to kill me mm -mm. she was stalled you know and and so nothing and nothing is we're always in the exactly the right place at exactly the right time yes I think that is, you know, I think that that's, that is, there's something so, there is a part of my soul that absolutely knows that to be true. And then it's so funny how the ego jumps back in oh. and starts going, you know, like, and I grew up in a family of skeptics, like I grew up with atheists in my family. I grew up with skeptics. Mm -hmm. I grew up with people who are just like, if you couldn't see it, it wasn't real. So I totally get the, you need to see it to believe it. And I, I love how you're talking about like these little things where you, if you just look at it, it's like just these little events that just protect us and keep us exactly where we need to be and really are designed. Like I know for me, even I have no idea when I first got Lyme disease, like I have no idea. I, as I look back, I have, I, there's strong indications that I probably had it for a much longer time than I knew. Um, but I look at when it became a really acute problem for me, and I see what an agent of change it was, how profoundly it transformed my life. Mm -hmm. I would not be having this conversation with you right now. I would not be on this podcast no. if it were not for the fact that the Lyme disease basically caused me to pivot my entire life and move away from all the things that were 
in even remotely misaligned. Like I had a thriving brick and mortar business. I was doing fantastically, but I could feel that I was outgrowing it and I could feel that it was no longer where I belonged. And it was time for me to stop doing this work. And Lyme disease was the wake up call that really allowed me to say, I, I know I'm here to do something different. And I had a couple weeks where I was just so flat on my butt because I, I basically got it. I got, you know, because ticks often carry mycoplasma pneumonia as well. So mm -hmm. I basically, my, the manifestation of my Lyme came through as Lyme induced pneumonia and like bad mycoplasma and just really, I mean, I wasn't hospitalized, but I was like, I was so exhausted that I thought watching Beyond the Valley of the Dolls movie on TV was actually interesting. And if you've ever, <laughs> if you've that. ever watched it, it is one of the most boring, schlocky movies from the 1960s you'll ever find. Like I was that out of it that like that was my pacing and that was my speed. But within a couple, you know, like I, I basically like slept through a couple weeks, but I did this thing where I would like, I would like sleep on the, I would sleep for a couple days and then I would rally. I'd get a little bit of energy and I'd make myself go to work. And then I would just like, all I could do was just show up, go to work and then drag my ass home because I was so tired and I was so exhausted. Mm -hmm. But we live in a society that's just kind of like, hey, you got to keep on, you know, bringing home the bacon. You got to keep on doing these things. But eventually, yeah. you know, it just became like my body, my soul was like, you're made for something better than this. You don't have to keep on ignoring and denying what your body is asking for. And so I, I have definitely seen that illness and even accidents are so frequently our soul body and souls attempts at setting boundaries when we are unwilling to set them for ourselves. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was just about to say that's, that's one of the biggest things that any accident or, or, or lightning strike or any of those things, but, but especially Lyme disease has taught me is to love myself more. Yes, because in all of those moments, I'm like, why are you going back to this job that is killing you? Mm -hmm. You know, when like when I, I went back, um, I was working in a casino as a dealer, but I worked the grave shift, which is horrible for someone <gasps> with, a, with an immune suppressive disease, you know, yeah. and an empath, because that's, yeah. that's a terrible Ugh. environment to uh So I was literally and I'm like, why are you why do you keep doing these things? You know mm -hmm. better. Right. You survived it. How many times you keep going back? And I'm like, that's probably what our, our angels, guides, you know, whatever you believe in. It's like, it's like us looking at our own children or our pets or anything. We're like, we try to show them tough love because by coddling and doing and, and always handing like, here's the universe. Okay. I always heal you. I save you from all these stupid things. You put yourself, like you put yourself in that position. You made that choice. And yet we keep doing it. And they're yeah. like, how many times, how many times am I going to have to strike this girl with lightning to get her to, you know? And, and so when I put it, when I think about with my kids or animals or anything, and I'm like, just stop, you know, it's so obvious to someone from the outside. Um, 
and and so but but it's really that process of of loving myself more and, and once i did that people are like wow trish what you do like your skin looks great your hair your i mean i probably i look younger now than i did back probably 15 years ago when mm -hmm. i was in a horribly abusive relationship mm -hmm. working at a job that was 12 hours a day that didn't appreciate me you know what i mean like all these things and it's that's the difference because i love myself now yeah yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I also just like having mercy for ourselves and compassion for ourselves when we miss the mark, when we slip away, when we make those decisions, when we eat the choose the cheese curls, when we, you know, when we make, when we do something where we are like, I know I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like even that, like approaching ourselves with just profound love and mercy and not giving ourselves like, like there's a reason we ought to do the things that are not wise. And usually we're doing it because part of us is stressed. Part of us is hurting. Part of us just wants relief. And, you know, we were, one of the things we were tapping, we're learning. I was teaching my students to tap on is food cravings yesterday. And the thing about the way that, you know, EFT works with food cravings is that, it really invites you to honor the desire and honor the part of you that wanted that thing and, and lean into it as opposed to leaning away from it and going into this idea of, you know, being a good girl and deprivation. Right. And I think that even, you know, when we make the decision to do something that is pers is harmful to ourselves, there's always a part of us that is trying to find a solution. And maybe like there's a part of us that doesn't have the self-esteem to stand up for ourselves. Maybe there's a part of us that's just like the path of least resistance is saying yes to these people right now. The path of least resistance is being a people pleaser right now. The path of least resistance is deciding to have that, like, you know, that, that thing on my plate that I know is not good for me. And instead of just like constantly coming back with that sort of like self-flagellating, like, look at you, you did this thing. Like even that, like, you know, it's like loving the abuser within ourselves instead of abusing the abuser within ourselves. Like, you know, all of the layers at which we can have mercy and compassion for the choices we make as human beings. And I think that you know, it's a few, well, probably four or five years ago now, when, when life coaches and, and health coaches and, and all of these things started becoming, um, well, not only necessary, but a really big deal. I think unintentionally, to some extent, many coaches are doing such a great disservice to people. I mean, not intentionally, by by creating this, like you said, this frame of mind, this perception that you have to be positive 100% mm. of the time. You have to be a good person 100% of the time. We're human. We, we are, are human. Human. We are human. You know, I still get get upset and react once in a while in traffic. Right. I still, no matter how much I work on it, and I know better, I know better, you know, I still 
eat cupcakes and I still do these. I know that it's going to make my muscles and bones and joints and everything else in my soul hurt. By the, I, I know it. And I still want that cupcake. I still do yeah. it anyways, you know. And and some days you just have to do that. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody about the whole thing of like this mo this this kind of the 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 phenomenon of always focusing on the positive, always mm -hmm. focusing on the positive. And the thing is with with EFT, basically well facilitated EFT always acknowledges the distress and where we are at before we try to use tapping to bring in something positive. But one of the fears that certain people who are kind of on that kind of law of attraction, whatever you think about is what you're going to amplify, right. will be like, well, if I talk about the negative stuff, then won't I grow it bigger? And my personal, what I really believe is that one, number one, if there is even a remote part of you that is feeling distressed or disorganized, you know, like, like unhappy or having negative thoughts, no amount of positive affirmation is going to make that part of you go away. And to ignore and deny that part allows it to fester within us. I really believe what we resist persists yes. and what we, and what we shed light on burns off like fog in the morning hours. Like it really makes a yeah. difference. And, but the thing is that when we, you know, start getting into this whole like positive thinking, positive thinking, positive thinking, just keep thinking positive. And also the people who are like, it's not working at all, but they're like, I yeah. just have to keep on going. Sometimes that's a sign that it's time to course correct. Sometimes that's yeah. a sign to say something is wrong with what the way you're doing this and you need to change it. But I, I really think of the positive affirmations, like when you're dealing with something really big and intense and painful, it's kind of like having a big old pile of poop and trying to spray perfume all over it. It's <laughs> like, it's not going to make it better. And if we have those feelings inside of us, we must like bring them out and acknowledge them Confront in order them. for them to transmute and change. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's when I really went back to my pagan roots, the the as above, so below, as within, mm -hmm. so without, because that balance, everything in this universe has that balance. We have the northern and the southern hemispheres. We have, you know, so we have the, the light part of the year and the dark part of the year. It has been that way, a perfect geometrical balance by design yeah. um, since, since the beginning of, since its creation. Right. So, but we have to honor that. We have to accept that. We, we right. have to, you know, I love that. That's why I, I, I had gotten uh, the four seasons tattoos, you know, to remind me to, to embrace. I know that I'm going I'm, I notoriously, I had a heart attack on the same day, two Septembers in a row. Wow. You know? And so I know now that I need to be more gentle with myself in the fall. You know, I need to be. And so, so these things have happened that it's, it's your biorhythm and, and the earth and animals and all of the elements and everything in this massive, beautiful creation of our existence is built that way and yes. so yes for for people in this narcissistic world that we live in to say 
there's only one diet that works. There's only one way to heal yourself. There's only one way to be a good person or be happy or be positive or what? No, no. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, and, and I think that's where it, it's like where we're, we're going to take, it's like common core math. I mean, we're, we're taking, we tried to take shortcuts which is just going to prolong our suffering in other areas because because of misinformation. But right, but that's right. again we have to accept that because that's that's equally growth. Well, you know, and you know, you're speaking about seasons, and we are living in such a bizarre time because because of electricity, because of central heating, because of the fact that we can, you know, buy food from South America or Australia. We have this artificial sense of summer and hard, like, like all the time. And as a society, we are like, there's like, there's like, even the whole sort of entrepreneurial exponential growth idea that every, like the goal should be that you're like growing your business and making more money every single year. Like this idea of just grow, 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 you know, what else just like what the only other thing that grows and grows and grows and grows unchecked is cancer. And we as a society right now are living in this really disconnected from seas, the reality of seasons and the reality of the rhythms of life. And it's like, there is a fallow period where things need to rest. There is a period where things go deep underground and hibernate and form themselves. There is a period of like gathering up the energy to sprout. There is the period of growth and receiving the nourishment. And only after that does the fruit appear that we can have the harvest and we can have the bounty. And then we go back into the fallow season and we but we are living in a time with artificial light with artificial growth cycles with all of these things that make people forget that that you know it's almost like we deny gravity like we are just yes. we we're defying the laws of gravity as a species right now and i believe it is coming back to bite us in the butt in a oh, major absolutely. way yeah I and you know it's funny you speak of you know the 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 seasons and the blooming and stuff. In 2018, um, the the height of my Lyme disease, the the worst part, when I thought I was dying and and all that it was Christmas Eve, and because of all these things in my health, and and I was about to be evicted from my house, and all these things went downhill, and I I just wanted to give up on everything. I, I didn't want to in my life. I just, I was tired. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give up. I did. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. My power went out at one mm. eleven a.m. on Christmas Eve. Wow. My TV comes on after the power went out in the middle of the night. And this, there was a song. Um, I'll have to send you the link, but, but it was, um, Jennifer Hudson and three other girls on The Voice singing The Rose by Bette Midler. Oh. The soul afraid of dying that never learns to live. Mm. Mm. And I was like, if that isn't, because roses have been, you know, my, I was born in June. Uh, of course, a Gemini, not only am I a twin, but I'm also a twin. And um, 
that song. And so when I moved and, and started my, got the courage to start my business and leave those jobs and everything two years ago, I had this rose from that house. I had moved different town, everything. I had to live with my parents for a short period of time. They had the rose dead in their garage. So mm. last summer, I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to start my photography business. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finally get out there and do. Everybody said I'd never make anything of myself as an artist or a photographer. And my parents are like, I went home one time and I, I said, oh, I'm going to take this home. And they're like, why? Just for the planter? That rose has been dead for years. I brought it home and it was spring, two years later, after that Christmas. And that's when I opened my studio, my art studio. And I had it on my back patio. I was actually going to repot something in it because I thought it was dead. And the first picture I took was the rose bloomed. It rebloomed. Wow. So then I went on doing all this research on roses and how they can they can actually, you can cut the head off of a rose, plant it, I mean, a stem, like mm -hmm. not even rooted anymore, mm -hmm. and it can regrow. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Morticia Adams made so much sense. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. You are giving, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I have time. I'm looking, I'm looking at um, dried roses in front of me and I, I adore roses. I've got Rosa Ragosa growing everywhere and we, Rosa Multiflora, which is wild rose that is considered an invasive, but just volunteered itself and started blooming in my yard a couple of years ago. And I mean, roses are just and roses are associated with the Blessed Mother. Like they are mm -hmm. one of the biggest symbols of the of the goddess. They, you know, and the heart. So what a and spectacular um, story. And and rose, they're not actually flowers, they're fruit, right? Yeah. I think. So it's like literally that fruit, you know, that seed you plant. Yeah. Um always like never give up. I mean, even though something might look like it's dying or dead, which I, I, you know, was symbolic of myself that night when that song came on. Um, and I had written a poem back in high school um, called The Rose, and it was about life or life and death. Mm. Um, You'll have to include that so, poem in your in the show notes for this. Yeah, yeah, I've never I and, and it was it, if you can find it. That, no, no, I, I memorized. I mean, it was something that didn't make sense back then. I mean, it was a really pretty poem back then, but I didn't realize the significance until until now. And um, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it, it is already ten o'clock. I'm gonna have to have you back on again so you can talk. Uh, we didn't even. You and I could talk forever. <sighs> I mean, seriously, it is kind of like, oh, you, hi, been a couple hundred years, but hey. <laughs> I, I want to share, I just read, I, I was in a hurry before the show, which is also symbolic, but um, my Yogi T, which always has a message, mm -hmm. you know, on the tag, says, mm -hmm. what can you appreciate in this moment? Mm. And that was it. So 
Oh man, Jen. Yeah, you're welcome to come back. Well, I would anytime. love to come back and I would absolutely love to bring you on my show as well. So absolutely. Nobody ever wants to talk to me. <laughs> oh, I mean, come uh, on. We're both assimilated twins. <laughs> yes. Now that crazy. is wild. And I have never ever in all of the podcasts that I've been on, I've never had this conversation. I've never, you know, and I'm just like, like, because this is just such a very, like, really weird and random piece of info. Like, it's like, it, it's not like most people start talking about being assimilated twins. So yeah, it, does, it doesn't happen. And yeah. So yeah. Uh, it, it's like finding a ne needle in a haystack, you know? Yeah. Um, you're, yes. Yeah, so next, I do have some people booked the weeks after not next week i don't so i'm open next week if you want to come back my viewers and listeners next monday um is open you don't have to answer now if you don't want okay. to or or you can i mean either way well my husband but, would basically be like no you are not doing this because we're taking two weeks off and i am a notorious workaholic and he on the yes. other hand is my he's my boundaries when i don't have them and so he has been like you are not doing any work and this week i'm actually doing a ton of things so i will gratefully say i'd love to when I'm not on vacation and I would absolutely. absolutely love to come back. Yeah. We can, we can plan a time in the future where you can actually talk. I apologize. We can talk about can talk being about... highly sensitive empathic and all those fun things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's such an odd, uh, I don't, I don't meet a lot. I, I mean, I meet a lot of mediums and, and psychics and such, but, but it is different. Uh, as it you is said, different. It's, it's very different for empaths. It is very different. And many of us can learn to cultivate the abilities so that we can use them as a psychic, we can use them as a medium, but yes. we have to deal, but you know, you got to deal with the poop, like you got to deal with, and you got to learn yes. how to navigate that sensitivity before you can really use your gifts effectively. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I'm still, yeah. I'm, I'm a work in progress, people. Oh, I, yeah. I will be Man. a work in progress in this life and probably oh, in the next. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Next yeah. time we talk, remind me to tell you about where I grew up. I grew up in the mountains of southwestern Mexico, but I learned about a tribe that resonated with me, but that had that's been discovered to be they were around like 30,000 years mm. uh, ago. So that's an interesting story. Um yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, Jen. Where can people find you? So people can find me in a couple different places. Really, really simple. Come on over to empathicmastery.com. And also, if you want to get a copy of my empathic safety guide, go over to empathicsensitivity.com. And that's also yes. going to bring you, yes. My and ink was out. So it's oh, not cool. <laughs> oh, very cool. And the thing that's really cool about that too is that that will also give you access to my free Facebook group where I teach master classes every single month. I do tap along Tuesday once a month and tarot Tuesday once a month. And when we have things like Lionsgate or, you know, when we had the 22222, we do alignment and calibration ceremonies. And it's a place where you just get to come and be with other people who really get it. And to get a copy of my book, 
just jump on over to empathicmasterybook.com at this point in time this big bad boy which is 380 pages um you can get it in ebook like kindle copy you can get it as an audiobook you can get it as a hard cover like like nice and hard or you can also get it as a paperback at empathicmasterybook.com and for the people who are interested in learning about EFT, you can jump on over to EFTinstruction.com. But if this is all really overwhelming, I'm sure that <laughs> Trish is putting it into the show notes right now. But just jump on over to EmpathicMastery.com and it will lead you to all the rest. Yes, I will have those links um, on my Facebook page, on the YouTube page. Um, it's and I know it's it's overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People, but, it is. Um, it is. Well, and we, you know, something I heard the other day. It used to be that we could retain seven pieces of information at any given point in time, but with sort of the onset of all the trauma <laughs> with this pandemic, we now as human beings can hold about four pieces of information at a given point in time. So we really need to keep it simpler. It also occurred to me for anybody who actually wants to at some point catch the interview that you and I are going to do. My podcast is called The Empathic Mastery Show, and the link for that is empathicmasteryshow.com. And I will say, so um, I was I was talking about this right before you came on. I love, I absolutely love, and this is saying a lot because I don't, I know it's bad, but I'll be the first to admit, I don't always read a lot of emails like newsletters and stuff. But mm -hmm. I absolutely love yours. They are oh. filled with so much useful information um, that it's it's amazing. You take so much time and, and energy to put those out. So oh, and that, thank you. that absolutely comes across in, in your, your emails. So um, yes, absolutely. Subscribe to those so you all can get Jen's amazing wisdom and knowledge. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of it, obviously, people are searching and, and yeah. for tools and, and help. And um, so I think it's amazing what you're doing. Oh, you're, oh. you're absolutely an inspiration. Oh, and I'm going to learn. Thank you so much. I know nothing about, surprisingly, just because that overload of information thing in the last few years. I don't know anything about EFT. So this is exciting oh. to me. I'm, I'm also. Oh, just you, you wait. Know, just you wait. It's a little weird at first because it looks really strange because we're tapping on the top of our head and, you know, all kinds of like it, like if, if and, and I will be completely honest, my first experience with it, it was like I was a little too vain to do it, but it works like nothing else. And in the more than 30 years that I've been working as an energy healer and a psychic and doing all this work, I have never found a tool that is more gentle, that is more efficient, that is more effective, and is more able to deal with whatever we throw at it. So I welcome to my world and welcome to the power of EFT because it really is just spectacular. You don't have to believe in it. You know, it works whether you believe in it or not. And it's really quite remarkable, remarkable thing. Trish, it has been such a delight. 
Like this is clearly a divine appointment, you yes. know, I mean, clearly a divine appointment. And I, you know, as you were talking about people sort of that psychically being led to each other, this completely feels like that was what happened here. And I'm just so glad you, I'm so glad you reached out. I, it has been such an honor to be on your show. Thank you. And, and likewise, I, I, um, I have to tell people I'm intuitively led to people that I interview. You know, it's not about what I think the public wants or my audience or anything. I literally go out and, and pe because people are like, well, how'd you find them? Was it just some like lottery list? Or no, I, I'm here. It's the missing piece, which is personal to me. Yeah. So I was thinking the other day, I'm like, man, and I, that's the ego. And of course I drove up and there's this giant semi that said super ego. And I <laughs> picture that because I'm like, thank you universe, of course. But because here I am the whole, man, where do I go? I'm kind of lost. What do I do? I don't have any information. You know, we, we get in these, and I'm like, what are you talking? Look at all of the people you have interviewed on your, and every one of them is a teacher of something different that I needed in mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, that's absolutely amazing how that works out because uh, it's it, absolutely divine timing. Real quick, I was going to mention because I forgot and I have ADHD, another yeah. sign yeah. thing. And and definitely, um, interestingly, another thing that those of us with particular gene mutations are very, very susceptible to. Yes. And actually, I've got a show coming up fairly soon that's going to be all about the interface between empaths and ADHD, because there's definitely a correlation there. And yeah. Lyme exacerbates um, ADHD. Oh, and then, yes. And I've often correlated empaths and people with highly sensitive or people that are highly sensitive, um, you know, I'm also categorized as autistic. Mm, well, mm -hmm. But a lot of these things, I think it's society, you know, it's because I tried to fit in this, this box of yeah. how I'm supposed to be all my life that, yeah. that creates that turmoil. So, um, but one thing I was going to tell you, be because you also have Lyme is, is, uh, one time I was asking you, I'm like, I just need something to, something to help me with this, something to cure it, something to heal it. And the, I kept getting scratched by my cat. And I'm like, what the, she has never scratched anyone in her entire life. You know, I rescued her. And cat's claw. Cat's claw. Cat's yes. claw yes. is an herb. Yes. yes. So here's another one of those things. The universe is like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The thing that saved my life that I really believe completely changed things was that I was part of and starting to do research and I was part of, you know, like some of the online Facebook groups and Lyme recovery groups. And people started talking about using Rife machines, which is a frequency, like basically broadcasting frequencies, radio frequencies into your body. And, oh. and Spirit was like, you have to get one of these. This will save you. And I then went and I looked and the prices are like, they're not cheap. You know, we're talking a couple grand to even get started with a good Rife machine. And Spirit was like, do you want to spend, do you want to run up like a couple thousand dollars on your credit card or do you want to be dead? Like they were just like, yeah. we'll keep it simple for you. You get to choose. But um, 
for me, rifing was kind of just, you know, like I worked with a number of essential oils and definitely did some herbal protocols and parasite cleansing. But rifing, I will really say, just like really saved my my ass. And as you were saying, you know, how Lyme just really affects the neurological stuff. When I would herx, it would like, I would go through these days or, you know, couple day periods where I would just go into these dark black moods as I was, oh, yeah. as I was going through a cycle of healing because it was just like, it would just affect my brain so badly. So, you know, I was, I was at a point there was, you know, one point in my life where I only had about an hour um, activity time away from my house before I would forget where I lived. Mm -hmm. My kids would have to remind me to turn the stove off to if I had my car keys. I can't tell you how many times I locked myself out of the house. Oh, yeah. Um, they would make sure I had my driver's license. My And I would literally shut down and forget where we lived before I got home. And that is terrifying having two young children as a single oh, mother. I cannot and even so imagine. I mean, I we I ended up slipping and falling and getting it, sustaining a mild concussion back in December of 2019. <sighs> and I will just say that like that cognitive stuff where you're just like, what did I do with my keys? Where did I put this? Oh thing? my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It's just, and it's, it's like, if you haven't ever been through that kind of cognitive, like disability, you just have no idea. Like, it's not like you can will yourself to do something and different. Knowing it just, it that you're losing your mind at the same knowing time. Knowing you're losing your mind at the same time. Horribly it's depressing. Horrible. It is horrible. Yeah. And in my family, you know, both of my parents have had my father's past now, but my mom is still alive and both of my parents have dementia. Thankfully, mm -hmm. I see I actually do not have even though they both had the gene mutation for dementia, I managed to dodge that bullet. So my fingers are crossed that I will be able to escape it because it's not. I, well, I healed all of the white lesions on well most of the white lesions on my brain by changing my diet mm -hmm. and by incorporating color i started doing art again for the first time in 20 years i started painting again so color therapy um music and then i i started playing the piano again i also uh red light therapy changed my life so i found I found a um, a neuro optometrist who specializes in um, neuro, basically neuro opt optometry rehab, and he uses this technology called Syntonic and was able to reboot my brain by having me look through colored goggles. And yep. so, um, like, it was nothing short of miraculous. And mm -hmm. the thing is, it's an intervention that doesn't involve drugs. It doesn't involve yeah. surgery, but what a difference it made. And so, yes, like color therapy. Oh my God, what a difference it can make. And so incredible. I'm actually launching this entire, it's funny you say that with the, um, an entire product line an entire, it's kind of all come. I had to recalibrate all my businesses and stuff. Um, I'm going to be on the outer realm on, on United Public Radio Network with um, Michelle and Amelia, who we've been, I've been booked for this for months and it was giving me anxiety and I'm like, I need to find the right time and when I'm going to do this and have it all come together. And I think you just, you just gave me the, uh, the confidence, I guess, um, 
to do that. So that will be Wednesday, actually. So the next time you come back, we can talk about, because I'm going to be, aside from this whole product thing that I'm doing, um, I'm going to be telling a story that actually most people didn't know. I've never told anybody the whole thing, and I've never been able to tell anyone because spirits and such would erase it lose it whatever would happen so that will be wednesday night i'm super excited oh that sounds amazing and it's it's equally terrifying but yeah you know baby steps but it's time they're like we will not withhold the information this time you need to get it out into the world now we'll let you say it (sighs) yes yeah. so scary still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jen, thank you so much. Oh, I Trish. can't mm. wait until the next time. Yeah. And thank you everyone for tuning in and, and mm. listening to us. Um, I hope you have gained as much wisdom and, and knowledge and information um, from Jen as I have, if not more. I, I'll probably go back and listen. <laughs> Just, but we will see you all next week. Have a good, have a good shoot. It's Monday. Have a good week. Yeah. Have a great week, you guys. And until next time again, just, this is the missing piece. Uh, New Orleans 105.3 FM and United Public Radio Network. Have a good evening, everyone. Thank you.